Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to On the Line. It is Tuesday, September 26th. I cannot believe. I know. Crazy. It's the end of September. It's literally the last week and then... October, October and then November and then December and then before you know it it's going to be the new year but I'm Olivia Panay joined with Ashley Titians this week it's been an exciting weekend of cross country we're going to dive into an intense team matchup from the Ocean State Invitational talk about some big performances from the Bowdoin Cross Country Classic and Roy Griak. We'll also discuss some athletes that have kind of made some waves at this point in the season. We're looking forward to seeing what they do as the season progresses. And we're going to also analyze some key storylines going going ahead into the FSU Invitational, which is our national meet of the week. But Ashley, how was your weekend? Like <laughs> as a whole, I know you've been super busy watching yes. marathons. It's like yes. marathon season as well, too. I know that's right. I was up at, I think, 2 a.m. watching the entirety of the, the Berlin Marathon. Um, doing stuff for flow track there. So I'm a little tired, but it was definitely worth it. I mean, can we... You saw another world record. You see a lot of world records within uh, the last month. I'm trying to think, like, what is that now? World record number three? three? That after Prefontaine, where Mondo broke the, the pole vault world record, and then we saw a women's 5K record. I mean, I guess maybe I'm like the good luck charm. You're the good you know? luck like, charm, yes. You know, <laughs> when I'm there, when I'm watching, you're going to break a world record. I love so. it. Mm-hmm. I love it. So let's go ahead and dive into our top key. I think the top matchup i think so far this season we had union catholic versus saratoga springs at the ocean state invitational kind of an upset i don't know about what your thoughts are but why is it so important at this point of the season this matchup that we have seen especially when we're looking at the national scale you know looking at you know the ocean state invitational I think this was one of the, if not the biggest storylines to take away from this weekend of cross country racing. If you're looking at this right on the girls' side, you have Saratoga Springs, who is competing. They're currently ranked, I believe, U.S. number seven in our miles with yeah. 50 girls team rankings. And, you know, they have a history of winning. They yeah. won NXN last year. They're the defending champions there. They're always pretty dominant throughout the entire stretch. But then they have Union Catholic come in here and they take down Saratoga Springs, you know, beating a top 10 team in the nation. Now, if you're looking at how they were able to accomplish this, they scored 32 points and then Saratoga Springs took second with 45 points. Union Catholic went 2, 5, 6, 13, and 23 overall and averaged 18, 20 there. Mm-hmm. And they're led by a freshman lift, which I, I think is insane. They have yeah. Paige Shepard, who is turning out to be just a huge star for them. You know, she finished second behind um, Saratoga Springs top runner, um, 
Emily Bush. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really kind of the key for them. And maybe, a, you know, a good key, having that, you know, kind of that younger group there while you also have some more experienced athletes like Peyton Hollis and stuff still in that mix as well. And I think this kind of shows that, like, Union Catholic's going to be much scarier than we expected. I know. And right now, just based on the rankings that we had, Union Catholic isn't ranked. No. Like, they're on our honorable mention. Union Catholic, just looking at the New Jersey site as a whole, are ranked number one. And the fact that, like, over Saratoga Springs, as you mentioned, NXN champions last year, but they have the history of having that depth year yep. after year after year after year. So this is kind of a season where... I'm, like, curious to see how Saratoga Springs is going to bounce, just knowing that they have Emily Bush. They have a couple of veterans, I guess you can say, on their team, but they're looking to almost, like, rebuild. And it's really fascinating to just see Union Catholic come away with this win, with a solid win, of course. As you mentioned, 1820 average. Saratoga Springs finished with an 1833. Paige Shepard is a name that we know from the AAU Junior (laughs) Olympic Games. And also another freshman in that mix is Kaylee Kaiser. And so she was 13th overall with an 1836 on that course. You mentioned Peyton Hollis and then Courtney Kaiser and then Ella Solorzano, I believe is how you pronounce her last name. So those were your five finishers for Union Catholic. And I was just super impressed to see them come away with this win and just kind of shifting towards the boys race as well. Just kind of a side note, like the Union Catholic boys look strong too. New Jersey, number two, U.S. number nine. They also won the championship race and completed the sweep, which I thought was fascinating to see both the boys and the girls do great. But Jimmy Wish's was choosing. Gosh, excuse me, Jimmy. Ran his first race since May. Yes, yes. You know, coming back from injury, and he finished second overall with a 15-12 and was just six seconds behind the champion, Paul Bergeson. And Union Catholic finished second, 13, 25th, 43rd, and 44th overall. So I think having Jimmy kind of being absent last year kind of pushed Union Catholic to really elevate themselves to this another yes, level. But yes. I'm happy to see Jimmy is on the cross-country course and just running well. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway here is, I mean, I think it's always pretty well known that over the past couple of years, like Union Catholic boys, those are going to be, that's going to be a squad you really want to watch out for when it term you know, in terms of, you know, looking forward to nationals. Mm-hmm. I think you need, now we need to be like, hey, we need to throw the girls in this conversation as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely going to have some changes on the Mile yes. Split 50 rankings, yes. which yes. we'll be dropping very, very soon. But another great race that we saw was the CBA boys team showed complete dominance at the Bowdoin cross-country classic. I don't know why I said Catholic. Union Catholic still in my brain. (laughs) But Ashley, what was like the biggest take? What can we, what can we take away from this major performance that we saw? You know, CBA is always going to be a team on the boys side where you go in, they're they're always going to be in that national conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think we saw here that, you know, they're probably even better than what we already expected. You know, Mm -hmm. they coming into this race, they were the eighth ranked boys team nationally. And they definitely lived up to that hype there. They went one, two, five, seven, and nine. They put their entire top five within the top nine places of that race, which is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and they post the second fastest team average ever at the Bowdoin uh, cross country course, and that was 1607.8. You know, that's just, <laughs> that's pretty remarkable. Again, and they were led by their frontman, Joe Barrett. He mm-hmm. won the race overall with a 1550. And, you know, looking at some of the history behind this race, shout out 
um, to the New Jersey Mile Split guys there. You know, they dug into a little bit more about just how much this performance means. Right. The only team that has averaged faster on that course is FM from, you know, back, I believe, in 20, 2013. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Um, they averaged 1602 on that course at the NXN New York Regional. And then another reference to, you know, looking back at CBA and their history, when they won NXN back in 2012, that team averaged only 1624 on that course. Mm -hmm. Today in 2023, CBA averages 1607. So, I think we could be in for a special CBA season. I agree. And I think what's interesting, you mentioned all top five of the runners finished in the top 10. What's even more impressive to me there is they had a 29 second spread. Yep. That is dangerous. Super dangerous. So fast. And even just comparing like the results from back in 2013 when FM like went 1602 and here they had a team average of 1607. I'm thinking like, wow, they really just elevated themselves to a whole nother level and really put down a really strong performance and as you mentioned like back in 2011 when cba won nxn they averaged 1624 as you mentioned so the fact that like they went from 1624 from that team that won nxn mm -hmm. to now 1607 it's pretty impressive that's quite impressive <laughs> plus having i'm just like 29 second spread that is Ridiculous, And I think just looking at Joe Barrett, as you mentioned, he won. That was the third fastest time by a CBA runner in course history. And that also earned a 189 speed rating. But also Jack Falkowski was just strides behind him for second with the 1554, the number four all time by CBA runner as well. So just knowing that these athletes are like putting down fast 5K times yep. Yep. on a really tough course, breaking through barriers especially when you're looking at these team averages yeah keep cba like yes. on your radar is guess what ashley and i are trying to say <laughs> um but also in regards to that roy griak took place yes that is a big meet has the history of just putting some really great competitors on the line mm -hmm. but also putting some fast performances as well but i think the big name out of this race was clay shively our guy. Yes, yes, you know, Clay Shively out of Wichita Trinity Academy in Kansas, a senior NAU commit. You know, I think all of us knew that Clay Shively was going to be really, really good this year in cross country. Last year, you know, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, racing at any of those, like, you know, at Foot Locker or any of those types of meets. And, you know, I think based on what we had seen on him, from him on the track, you know, he was almost a sub four miler there. Mm hmm. We knew he was going to be good, but I don't know if we thought he was going to be this good. He goes to Roy Griak, and he wins the race, 1523.9 for 5K, a 194 speed rating, breaks the decade-old Roy Griak course record of 1530.8, you know, pretty solidly there, shaving about seven seconds off that mark. Mm -hmm. um, and again, though, too, like, I think the other thing to take away from this is, like, yeah, Shibley won the race, but there were two other guys behind him that also broke the previous course record. Sam Scott was second, and then Robert Mature in third. They finished second and third in 1525 and 1528, which earned the 193 speed rating. So, I mean, Roy Griak, I mean, I'm looking through all these results, and I'm like, goodness gracious, like, what are they feeding these kids? Yes. I feel like Clay Shively's on a whole different level yes, this yes. year. And I've had a chance, we've been watching him. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't the first time we're mentioning it, mentioning Clay this year. We talked about him a few weeks ago as well. But I think the key thing is his mentality. 
going into his senior year. He mentioned during his post-race interview with Miles Split that he felt last year at this race that he got a, he got caught up in the start and he felt like he paid for it later in the race. And so this year he just wanted to take it more patient, waited for his time over this weekend to really put down something fast. And the fact that he was the first boy to break 1530 on this course and was able to lead two other guys behind him just shows the talent that he has. But also he's in this mindset now, Ashley, where he's like, I'm going for an NXN title. Like mm -hmm. he said that yeah. <laughs> a couple weeks ago that he is looking to be a national champion. And right now with the times that he's posting and earning the speed ratings that he's getting and facing a lot of great competitors early on, I feel like it's just giving him that boost as he just kind of moves forward in that season. All right, now that we're throwing that out there, I, I need yes. your opinion here. Okay. Who are the, who do you think right now is the early front runner to win that boys NXN title? Oh gosh. I, I feel like as we're talking about Clay Shively, but like Clay Shively is just, but you also have Daniel Simmons in this. Yes, yes. Personally, I feel like it's still, you still it's going to be, I, I'm still going with Danny Simmons. He hasn't okay. shown me anything right now that's indicating that he's going to get beat at NXN and he finished second there last year. So yes, that's going to be my choice. But hey, I think Clay could definitely be top five. Top two. <laughs> top two. Top five. You know what, Clay? I got your back. I'm going with Clay Shibley here. I just wow, think okay. that this guy, I feel like, is a lion. Like, he's lion. hungry. Are we are we making another nickname here? Like we have like, Wait, now we gotta now I, oh gosh, Corey. Oh, <laughs> it's just like Corey comes up with the nicknames. I don't know. Like, I feel Clay is hungry. Not saying not saying Daniel Simmons isn't. Yeah. But the fact that I have repeatedly have watched Clay Shively's interviews and each one is like the end goal is NXN. Yeah. And I'm hungry for it. And I'm making sure I'm setting up my season to do that. Mm -hmm. He's just ready to pounce on the prey okay. right now. Okay. So well, play the lion, I guess. I see that's your early <laughs> prediction. We'll see if it pans That's my out. early prediction, yes. <laughs> so outside of the Roy Griak, we've also had some incredible matchups um, over the season. And I feel like just kind of reflecting back on Woodbridge, right? Mm -hmm. Like that course, Woodbridge itself is a neat where people go to run fast times. Yeah. yeah. Yes, there is great competition. However, the objection, like the point is to go out there and put something fast on a three mile course. Since then, there have been some matchups <laughs> with some athletes. And I want to know if we're coming back to reality, almost okay. in a sense of like, hey, yes, Woodbridge is a fast time, but let's put you on a 5K course or a course that's a little bit more challenging. What does that look like? So Ashley, what matchup for you kind of just like maybe I don't know shifted gears but like what were, were some matchups that we saw from Woodbridge that have now taken place since then yeah you know like I think the biggest matchup and I think we both kind of agreed on this point here of guys that race at Woodbridge and then matched up again this weekend is Jojo Jordan of Olympus in Utah and Evan Noonan mm -hmm. of Dana Hills in California you know Noonan won that boys race yes at Woodbridge you know an impressive race from him a 194 speed rating there and Jojo Jordan was there as well but then you have them go to the Bob Furman Cross Country Invitational this past weekend, and you see the roles reversed a little bit. You have JoJo Jordan. You know, he wins this race here um, in 14.55, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, and then Noonan was just behind him in second place there. Um, if you're looking, I know you said that like Woodbridge, that's where you get your fast times now coming back to reality with the 5K. But if we're looking at this, you know, the meet, like 
course history here, mm -hmm. those times were insane, <laughs> insanely fast for that race. You know, mm -hmm. only two other guys have gone faster at Bob Furman than Jordan and Union did this past weekend, and that was Luke uh, Pasquedra in 2007, and then the now U.S. marathoner Connor Mance back in 2014. So I think it is an indicator that, like, I almost like Woodbridge has kind of been, that was like a springboard for them, you know? They get mm. that confidence. Like, I think sometimes having one of those really fast races, it's more of a confidence booster. And then yeah. when you, you know, go back to that 5K distance or maybe aren't on as fast of a course, you can still run, like, really well. Yeah, I agree. We saw them both compete. And as you mentioned, Jordan got fourth in that race, 1357. Evan Noonan went 1341. Like, that's a huge, that's over a 10 second gap there that Noonan had on Jordan. And the fact that now, like, the roles kind of flipped a little bit. Like, Noonan was still within striking distance. He only lost by seven tenths of a second. So it wasn't like yes. a complete blowout. Yeah. Like, but the fact that JoJo Jordan was able to come up with that win, do you feel like. Just kind of looking at the season that JoJo is having, where do you think this kind of alludes to as the season kind of unfolds? Knowing that, hey, like, he didn't, he fit, like, top five at Woodbridge, fantastic. But now you took down the champion that won that really, really fast course. Now you're running, you know, 5K. What do you think kind of helps as we move forward into the rest of the season? Yeah, you know, I think he just has to... I think these are going to be good confidence boosters for him. You know, looking at, you know, his resume back from last year in 2022, mm -hmm. his fastest 5K time was 15-12, which he ran at Garmin Running Lane, which is historically a very fast course. You know, that course there in Huntsville is one of the fastest courses in the nation. Now he goes to somewhere like Bob Furman in Idaho, and he runs a 14-55. So I think, you know, kind of comparing some of those performances, and again, this is an early season performance, whereas that 15-12 at Garmin Running Lane came at the very end of the season, I think... He's got to be thinking, this is my time to shine, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> now, just a side note before we move into our next segment, I feel like we just have to talk about Elizabeth Leach because <laughs> what, what on the line episode would it be if we don't mention the talented individual that we're seeing? Ashley, this weekend, she breaks the sophomore class record at the Hoka McNeil Invitational with the 1630 5k performance this ties her for number 16 all time and what's mind-blowing to me is it is mid-september yes now what can we take away from elizabeth leachman because this is like the fourth race where she has earned speed ratings over 150 no other athlete has done that yes. now just a couple weekends ago she lost to Jane Hedegrin, but again, it was one, it's kind of a similar instance where it's like Evan Noonan versus JoJo Jordan. Like it was literally like right there, right together. there. Like it wasn't a complete blowout, but with Elizabeth and how she is right now, do you think she's the heavy favorite for winning a national title? Oh, that's so tough because I'm inclined to say that I'm still a very big Jane Hedegrin fan yeah. and I think she will win a national title. Mm -hmm. But the way Leishman obviously is running right now is it's, I mean, it's, the one word to describe it is historic. Right. Um, you know, I've talked, I know we had some feet on the ground at Hoka McNeil this past weekend and just, you know, talking with them and hearing their reflection on seeing her run, I mean, they were comparing her to like watching like, you know, younger Caitlin Tui runs. Yes. Like this is the type of athlete that we're talking about here. Like <laughs> she's definitely got that pedigree. There's something going right there for her. And mm -hmm. I think you know, with these performances that she's been having each and every week so far this season, I think with each performance, people are getting more on board with the idea that, okay, Leachman's the real deal. It's almost scary 
Like I'm literally, yeah. I'm thinking, because we've had conversations about this in the office, and one, one of the individuals told Ashley and I, like she's never seen Elizabeth Leachman in person, mm -hmm. was able to watch her run for the first time, yep. and she's like, that girl was insane. Like yeah. just watching her <laughs> run, was remarkable and memorable. And she's never met Elizabeth, never seen her compete. So the fact that she's now telling me this at a Hoka McNeil Invitational where she completely destroyed the competition. I like, mean, she won by, gosh, a minute and 18 seconds, like, which is, and I guess really good competition crazy. too. And I mean, again, the conditions, you know, weren't great either. It was like insanely muggy, super humid. Not yes, it was hot. Ideal. Like it was that's hot all. And humid. That's all they were saying was it was so hot that yep. day. You know. So I and the think, humidity here is just ridiculous. Yes, I think the moral of the story here is Elizabeth Leishman is the real deal. It's not. It's not a fluke. Like yeah. I remember the first performance that she had that was over a 150, and I was like, okay, cool. Yep. Then the second one happened. I was like, okay, back to back. <laughs> all right. Now Third she's the one, one she ran against Jane. I'm like, that girl held her own. Yep. You know and. Jane is, I feel, like a national contender, mm -hmm. like, to win a title. And the fact that she did this again and earned a, I believe, a 160 or 161, 161. speed rating, the yep. first girl to do that this season is, like, and it's early. Yep. Like, it's still mid-September. Like, we still have all of October, all of November. Yeah. Nationals will be first week of December. So I, I'm hoping that she can just continue yeah, that, that's this gonna, momentum. That's going to be the key, right, is if you can continue this you know, going on. Like, she's already has a good amount of races underneath her belt, and obviously she's done incredible things, and I just really hope that that, you know, continues on for the next few months. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. We got our Elizabeth Leachman <laughs> segment in. Let's move on to the athletes to watch as the season moves forward. Now, these are some individuals that I feel like are starting to turn my head a little bit. I'm like, okay, I recognize your name now, and... You have me, I, I'm, I'm paying attention at this point. Yeah. So I think I'm gonna kick this off first. I'm gonna start, I have two girls and a guy. So let's talk with talk about the girls first. Sure. One athlete, I know Max is gonna be very proud of this one. <laughs> uh, Caitlin Rope from Selena Central. She's out in Kansas. And I feel like the defending champion for cross country, she's clocked her third straight win at the Rim Rock Classic, and she set a season's best of 17.33. This also equaled a 145 speed rating. And I've had a chance to just kind of watch her season unfold a little bit more. And I, like I mentioned, this is someone that's, my wheels are turning, right? Like her first race of the year was a 17.41 at the Great Bend Invitational. Then September 14th, she ran at the Bluler Invitational, clocked another 17.41. And here at the Rimrock Classic, she drops drops that time down to a 7.33, her third straight win on 5K courses. So I'm just looking forward to seeing how she's going to fare when she toes the line against some really strong competition. Because the fact that she is putting out these big performances already without much push, I think is really big. And another athlete, speaking of Jane Hedegren, um, Lily Alder, who actually goes to 10th view, so Jane Hedegren's teammate, she won the Twinite Invitational with a 17-15 5K performance and was the only girl to break 18 minutes on that course and earned a 140 speed rate. I was like, oh, we have another athlete from 10th view. Yes, 10th yes. view, my eyes are out on you guys right now. So doing great things out out there in Utah. So those are my top two ladies. Ashley, for you, who's your top girl that you're just like, okay, 
She's putting out some big times. I'm looking forward to seeing how she yeah. does as the season continues. Yeah. You know, this athlete here, I know all of us, but Miles, Miles Split are huge fans of this athlete. Yes. And, you know, she's up in the Northeast, so, you know, a lot of times, you know, she's not really getting in those really fast 5Ks until toward the end of the season. Mm -hmm. um, but that has to be Ruth White out in Orano, Maine. She's a senior there. Um, she won the Manchester Invitational this past weekend in 17.20 for 5K and beat the previous course record by 15 seconds, which that's a pretty big margin there. Yeah. Got a 147 speed rating there. Um, you know, you usually don't see her on many speed rating lists. You know, she's going to some of these smaller meets in um, the Northeast, but mm -hmm. she's always a strong competitor. You know, I remember we all got to meet her for the first time last year at Champ Sports Cross Country I just Nationals. Love, I love Ruth. And she she's was, amazing. She was so lovely. Yes. And, you know, you could tell she's like such a fierce competitor as well. And, um, you know, she placed 17th overall there in her first time at a national meet. So I definitely think that, you know, looking at this, 1720 is also a big, it's a seven second PR for her mm -hmm. um, in her career. So I think if she's running that right now in September, that she's going to be a factor moving into the fall. Absolutely. I completely agree with yes. Ruth. Just an incredible athlete as she is as a human being. She's just super sweet. So let's kind of switch gears. Let's talk about the boys now. This guy's from Colorado, from Char Chaparro High School. He's a senior. Brennan Draper. Now, I kind of was taking a deeper dive into his resume for the 2023 cross-country season. He was six at Liberty earlier this month, but then he was able to bounce back with the victory at the Dave Sanders Invitational, where he clocked a season's best of 15-22, and I feel like this could really be a breakout season for him, Ashley, because last year he went 15-06 to set a personal best before he finished 25th at the Colorado 5A State Championship. So, the fact that he's just like dropping some time down and the fact that he competed at Liberty against some really stiff competition as well I feel like this is just continuing that momentum that he's he's potentially someone that could really stand out in the state of Colorado and I think he's just doing amazing things already so for you Ashley who's your top guy all right I know when I say the school of Mercer Island I think what I'm sure what comes to mind, at least for you and I, is yes. Sophia and Victoria Rodriguez. Yes. But I want to talk about their their top guy on that team, and that's Owen Powell. And, you know, right now on the boys' side there, he's truly one of the better juniors in the entire country. Mm -hmm. He just ran 1446 to win the boys' race at the MOOC XC Invites. He got a 183 speed rating there. That's his first time under 15 minutes, and, you know... 1446 is no joke, you know, no matter where the course is. And so right. I think he's definitely someone to keep an eye on. You know, looking at his resume in the past, he ran 407 for the mile on the track last year as a sophomore, which is pretty insane as an underclassman. So I think he's going to be someone we're going to keep an eye on moving forward. Got our eyes out for you guys. So keep up the great work. Again, this cross-country season, I feel like it's just starting, but it's already have, like, blown <laughs> my mind away with just yes. the strong performances that we're seeing so early. So speaking of, like, blowing your mind away, there were some surprising results that came from the weekend that we just, it, we can't, like, not continue the show without mentioning it. So, Ashley, what was the big surprise for you from the weekend? Sure. I know we kicked off the show talking about this a little bit. I do think... You know, Saratoga Springs, you know, finishing behind Union Catholic in that race at Ocean State is a, you know, a bit of a surprise, a bit of an upset there. You know, mm -hmm. they were ranked number seven in the country. Um, you know, they only got beat by, you know, it was a pretty small margin, only about 13 points, and they put still put three in the top six. But, you know, if we know anything about Saratoga Springs, it's that I feel like they come away clutch when it really matters. You know, yes. when it, whether it's states, whether it's, you know, NXN regionals, NXN, like you, I don't think this is 
any cause for concern or any reason to really count them out yet. You know, they still have a strong proven leader in Emily Bush, who we just saw on the screen there. Um, you know, she still took home that win in 1732 this past weekend. Um, that was an all-time PR for her. So I think, I mean, yes, it's a surprise, but I still wouldn't count them out yet. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. Mine is a little interesting. Interesting. Um, because I feel like it's just... It's just interesting to me. Okay. So there were two athletes in the state of Pennsylvania. You had Ryan Pajak of Ringgold and Drew Griffith of Butler. They ran at the PIAA Foundation Invitational with Muddy Conditions. What's mind-blowing to, to me is they ran the exact same time in two separate races. How often do we see that? It's kind of rare. Happen. Very it rare. Happen. Exact same time. Now, I think for me, what's surprising about this, not the fact that they literally ran the same time, but just thinking about Drew Griffith's season last year, mm -hmm. where he is now, Drew was eighth at Champ Sports Nationals. Ryan, I got 12th last year, and I feel like because of the times that they ran under the same conditions, not against each other, uh, Ryan won the 2A race, uh, Drew won the 3A race. I really feel like this just put Ryan in a different level. And the reason why I say that is because if you're running similar times to Drew Griffith right now, who's a really phenomenal standout athlete from the state of Pennsylvania, and the fact that you're right there with him, like, yeah, you're bound to think that this is fantastic, right? Yeah. You know, I think, too, like, Ryan probably is, like, a little underrated. Like, yes. I think we've already seen a I mean, just looking at what he's done this season, he's already been... I'm trying now to pull up his uh, resume here real quick. I mean, he's gone... He went 15 flat at the Mingo scrimmage, which I think he got a pretty high speed rating for that one, and then just ran 15.48, and again, I think he's probably a little underrated, but I think you're right. Like, if you're running the exact same time as Drew Griffith, that means you're going in the right direction. Yes. And two, I mean, they ran that in, like... I don't know if you've seen some of the videos from that race. Like, it was funny. It was, it was insane. Like, Nuts. people were sliding down this hill. <laughs> like, they were falling, but they did good. And, you know, I do think, I mean, another funny note, they're both going to Notre Dame now yes. next year. So Things just got interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is super spectac spectacular. So that these are our surprising results from the weekend. Now, we're going to move on to what I'm now considering my favorite segment of the show. I know Corey and I started the, the stock up, stock down, but now we're going to just say who has their stock up from the weekend. You already mentioned my girl very briefly, but yes. I'm going to dive into Sophia Rodriguez for a moment here. As we know, she's just had phenomenal accolades, performances, her resume just keeps building. As a middle schooler, she is a world age group record holder in the distance events, and now she moved from Pennsylvania. She's on literally the West Coast for and competes now for Mercer Island, and the freshman put a 5K performance together that was like, wow. She ran a 1649 at the Moo Cross Country Invite, and she was the only girl that day to break 17 seconds on the Alder Alderbrook Golf Course, and her sister finished right behind her, too, so they just go one-two. But the fact that Sophia is doing amazing things already, yeah, I'm just I'm just looking forward to and the I rest believe of the too, year. That was like the I think it was the third fastest 5K time ever for a, a freshman. So wild, crazy. So she's already off to a great start, like I think we expected. Yes. All right, Ashley, I'm going to kick it off to you. Who also has their stock up from yeah, the weekend? Stock up for me. I think I have to talk about Rachel Forsythe out in Michigan at Ann Arbor Pioneer, and I think we really need to take a moment to like 
give her major kudos. Like, let's, let's take this moment. Yes, recognize her for all that she's already <laughs> accomplished this season. You know, her resume is pretty spectacular. She is currently on a streak of four straight sub 17 minute 5K performances. She just ran a new PR of 1636 over the weekend at the Jackson Invitational. Um, you know, looking at those sub 17 performances, she's gone. 1644 twice and then 1659 one other time to round out all those sub 17 efforts and then you know that 1659 that she ran at the msu spartan invitational that got her a 153 speed rating which <laughs> that's no joke yes um and so you know i think forsyth is going to be someone that we got to look out for as we're going into you know national season and stuff you know she she's out there in michigan but i think you know, we, we can't forget about her. We cannot. No. And I'm excited to see um, as her season unfolds, It, like you mentioned, already off to a really, really strong start. So for me, I'm going to highlight a young, talented individual from, uh, again, another one from Northeast New Hampshire, Byron Grievous. Um, at the Manchester Invitational, he clocked a 15.03 5K, and he broke the course record, which was actually previously held by Aiden Cox mm -hmm. from last year's race, and he went 15.20. So the fact that you dropped 17 seconds, and just to kind of break this down for you, Aiden Cox actually ended up qualifying for NXN last year, was an All-American at New Balance National Outdoors in the mile and the two miles, so the fact that you've already accomplished that looks like a very bright future for you. So, uh, yeah, Byron just really blew my mind away from the Manchester Invitational. So, Ashley, how about for you? Who's another athlete? Yeah, going back to Roy Griak for a minute, I want to talk about Robert Matura. He's out of Roseville Area High School in Minnesota. You can see him there up on the screen. He is just to the left of Sam Scott there in the middle. He takes third at Roy Griak, runs 15.28 for 5K. And, again, one of those three guys to go under that previous course record of 15.30 that had stood for 10 years earns a 193 speed rating. A little bit more about Robert, you know, as I'm doing, a, you know, a deep dive here. He's only a junior, and, you know, that puts him off to a great start for this 2023 season. Prior to Roy Griak, he posted a 15.04 5K PR at the Eden Prairie Metro Invites, and then he's also coming off a pretty strong track season from 2023, where he ran 8.59 for two miles. And so, this has to give him confidence, you know, like this is a breakthrough performance. If you're up there running with, you know, athletes the caliber of Clay Shively yes. and Sam Scott, who are both, you know, ranked athletes, I think you have to be thinking, all right, like I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Like this is a good start. And I think we're going to have to keep an eye out for him in that Heartland region going I forward. Love that. So now we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk about teams. Don't go too far. So I feel like we've talked about this team almost every week. It's almost it's like an Elizabeth. Week. It's every It's week. like an Elizabeth Leachman segment. So we're gonna have the Harryman uh, segment right now. <laughs> I feel like they keep showing up, Ashley, in yeah. a ridiculous yeah. way. And at the Bob Furman Invitational, they destroyed the competition by scoring 59 points and finished with a 15-34 average. Their top five finished in the top 20. Again, the spread, 15 seconds. I'm like, yo, what are y'all doing right now? All five boys in 15 seconds of each other? They finished 7th, 11th, 13th, 18th, 20th, led by William Stedman, who went 15-26. So 15-26 plus 15 seconds, that just show, shows you where this team is right now. And they're just continuing to blow our socks off at this point. Agreed, agreed. Again, I think we, we just need... A special Harriman segment. Harriman like segment. Week. Elizabeth Leachman segment yep. every set, show <laughs> at this point, which is awesome. Yeah. So, who's your girls' team that yeah. has their stock up? I, I have to give a shout out to Lucas Lovejoy out here in Texas, and I think they continue to show that they deserve to be in the national consideration on the girls' team side. They 
absolutely dominated at the Cowboy Jamboree this weekend in Oklahoma. Scored just 33 points, which is pretty crazy. You know, a very dominant performance there. They put their entire top five within the top 11 in that race. You know, they opened up our season at number 16 on our girls' team rankings. But, you know, I would expect them, after what we've already seen from them so far, to maybe move up those rankings. They're currently, if we're looking at, you know, our cross-country team scores database, um, they currently have the third best team average in the country. And then just based on scores alone, they're the third, you know, best team for team scores. So I also have to give a shout out here to Julio Ramirez from Nasla, <laughs> Texas, because I think last week we were having a conversation about who the best teams in Texas are right now on the girls' side, because obviously you have a lot of big powerhouses. Yeah. And he was like, I think Lucas Lovejoy's up there. Like, they're good. And I was like, oh, really? I guess because sometimes you think about, like, you, know, you have Flower Mound, you have South Lake Carroll, like all those yeah. really, really good teams. But Lucas Lovejoy's the real deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. You heard it here first. So that kind of wraps it up for the, the stock-ups. And now let's move on to our final segment of the show, the National Meet of the Week, which is the FSU Invitational, also known as their pre-state meet. And Ashley, the top two storylines from this meet is ridiculous. So shout out to Brandon uh, Miles, who gave, well, gave me the lowdown because I was <laughs> like, Brandon, tell me what I need to know. I think for us... The matchup between Patrick Coon and Josh Ruiz is going to be a show to just look out for. Yeah, so that's what I'm most intrigued for, right? <laughs> You're going to have Joshua Ruiz, the current U.S. number one, versus Patrick Coon, who you see here on the screen, your defending champion from Leon High School. Last year, Coon won this race um, in 14:50, and that was a course record there. You know, amazing performance from him. And... You know, this year going into this race, it's a little bit different, right? So you have Ruiz, like I mentioned, the Bell and Jesuit senior, mm-hmm. current leader for Boys 5K. He ran 1438 at the Southern Showcase a couple weeks ago. And he also is part of that, you know, really stellar Bell and Jesuit team who's one of the top teams in the nation. And now, you know, you're you're going against the defending champion in Kuhn, right? He just committed to Stanford, so, you know, a top-tier athlete. Um, you know, looking at what he's done so far this season, it's been relatively quiet from him. You know, he's only ran a few times, has a season best of 1539. He's returning to this really fast course where, you know, again, he knows what it takes to win there. So I think really the question is actually multiple questions. <laughs> hey, hey, multiple questions here. Now that Ruiz is in this whole other realm, like of his talent, going up against someone like Coon, like who's going to come out on top? How, well, like, what's the strategy going to be like there? Yeah. And then, two, will this record, the meet record or course record, be threatened again? Oh, gosh. Okay. Hang Those on. are my two questions. Okay, why don't you answer, what was your first question again? You know, now that Ruiz is, you know, at this, like, huge monumental part of his career. Yes. Going up against someone like Kuhn, like, what's the strategy going to be? I don't, I, I'm just. <laughs> you don't know? <laughs> I'm trying to think how I would approach this, right? Like, if I'm lining up against Patrick Kuhn, the defending champion here right and just looking i'm also looking at uh josh's resume like he finished fourth in this race last year i'm assuming and he clocked 15 16 there eighth the year before so he he is a veteran to the course so i guess yeah. my first question was has josh competed on this course and to know what to kind of expect if i were him this is just me personally i'm someone that likes to observe and watch i would want to be within striking distance of patrick coon but have patrick coon do all the work I can see that way, but I can also see... Or do you go out and make Patrick Coon chase you? See, that's the other thing that I wonder, maybe, because, like, 
obviously we saw in that video how Patrick Kuhn absolutely like dominated this whole race the entire time last year. Maybe right. you take the approach of, hey, I'm gonna go out in you know something that I know is controllable, but you know put the pressure on him to be like, oh hey, I gotta chase that guy. He's you know current US number one five k. I gotta chase him down. Like that could that could shock Kuhn, I think maybe a little bit. But I I'm also all for the stalking and like waiting. But here's the thing: Patrick Kuhn has won this twice in a row. Like he's going for a three peat. So I how think, else do you take down? But this I, guy. I think Josh has the most momentum going into this race, personally. Okay. So you think he's going to go out and have Patrick Kuhn chase? I don't know if that's what he's going to do, but I think that could be a tactic. That could be a tactic. There's yeah. one of two ways this can go. There's a lot of things that could happen. So I'm really excited to see how Ooh, it plays I, out. For me, I'm like I'm staying behind Patrick Kuhn. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to, like, I let it rip. Fair, I think that's a fair tactic. I'm going to let it rip. Okay. Toward the end. Like, mm -hmm. last mile, almost 1K. <laughs> like, I'm just going to go into a whole nother gear. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that was your first question. What was the second question? Will this course record go down again? 1450 last year set by Patrick Kuhn. Will it go down? I'm very optimistic, and I'm someone that's like, yeah. yes to the record, yeah. so I'm saying yes. I'm going to say yes, too, because, like, obviously, you know, you have the course record holder here in this race, but he's going to be really pushed this year, I think, by Ruiz. You know, he's in a different level right now, so I think we could see something special. All right. Sub 450. 1449 14, yes, or 14, faster is going to be the goal for this FSU Invitational on the boys' side. Now... I'm going to switch gears and talk about the ladies because this, for me, I think is the most interesting mm -hmm. race. I need you all to keep your eyes out for Annabella Tomasic, and this is the reason why. I feel like she has the potential to win this race, and she's not a freshman. She's not a sophomore. She's not a junior. She's not a senior. You're right. She's a middle schooler, and she's not an eighth grader either. She is a seventh grader going into this race. And has the opportunity to take the title. She goes to Lake Highland Prep out in Orlando. And to kind of paint this vision of, you're probably thinking, Liv, what on earth are you talking about? <laughs> this seventh grader winning this title. Let me just paint this vision for you. We all know Eliana Black. Yes, now goes yeah. to IMG Academy. Eliana Black is very talented. Mm -hmm. Like, she has an incredible resume. Back when Annabella was in fifth grade, she won the FLYRA Middle School State Championships. Eliana was in that race, and she was an eighth grader, and Annabella won that race. Last year, as a sixth grader, Annabella set the course record of 10.19 for 3K and won that title by nearly a minute. So the fact that this seventh grader is, like, pushing waves right now is absolutely remarkable. However, it's not going to be an easy feat. She's going to have to face Addison Dempsey of Cardinal Mooney, another athlete from Florida, and also she's going to have Mackenzie Dillow of Bishop Verrat. And what's this is another storyline in its own. <laughs> Addison Dempsey is ranked number 1 in the state of Florida with a 1725k. The next fastest time is actually Annabella Tomasic. And then the third fastest athlete is Mackenzie. So you have the Fastest, One, two, second three. fastest, and third fastest in the state of Florida lining up and going for this title. Annabella clocked to 1741 already, so this, this is, is where we're at. It's going to be legit. <laughs> All I have to this say is, is I, I will be tuned in. What? On, 
on Saturday. What? I will be tuned in watching this. Let's just put what? it that way. This is, this is going to be wild. Yes. So keep your eyes out for the seventh grader, Annabella Tomasic from Lake Highland Prep. Yep. It's good. It, we already know this is a fast course. And Annabella is in a whole nother wheelhouse. She's going to get pushed by Addison Dempsey and also the third fastest competitor, Mackenzie. So it's going to be a great meet as all, on both yes. sides, which is really, yeah, which, which I, I'm all for. Because sometimes mm -hmm. we see the boys' races are more dominant or the girls' races. So the fact that we have two storylines going into our National Meet of the Week is just fantastic. So again, you guys already know. You're here watching on the line. Make sure you like, subscribe, con Everything. like give us a review, Spotify, Apple TV, Apple Music, wherever you listen to your podcast. We want to know your thoughts. Let us know what you think about this podcast. And also stay tuned to the site for all the coverage. There's It's a huge weekend. I have huge to say, we weekend. have four live meets going on this weekend. FSU, pre-state. Yes. You're going to have live in lieu, the McQuaid invite, and then Pat Patton. So... There's going to be a lot of cross-country action live for you guys to yes. tune into, so please do it. You will not be, be disappointed. disappointed. <laughs> you will not be disappointed. Stay tuned to the site for everything. Ashley, thank you so much, as always. And we will see you guys next week.